Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be chatting with Becky Henry about shifting your perspective. This episode is brought to you by Midwest Functional Neurology Center, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are experienced in treating post-concussion syndrome, chronic pain, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They've greatly helped me and many others. You can find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you are listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors, by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Good Men Project, and I volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council, and I recently released my second book, Embracing the Journey, Moving Forward After Brain Injury. You can learn more about me and the podcast series at facesoftbi.com. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. So today I am so excited to introduce to you Becky Henry, and Becky is changing the way parents and other caregivers are supported by helping them have shift happen. With lived experience and professional coaching training, Becky guides caregivers to release fear, panic, sadness, worry, and allow waves of joy and sorrow to coexist so they have more confidence, calmness, and compassion to support a loved one in recovery. Since Becky founded Hope Network LLC in in 2003, she's been coaching parents to practice self-care skills when caregiving and feeling less isolated and more supported. So welcome to the podcast, Becky. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you, Amy. So I have known Becky... I've known Becky for a few years. We met through our local women's writing group, um, and you and I just totally seemed to click right away the first time we met. So I'm, I'm, I, you know, it was funny. I was thinking that you've been on a podcast before, but you haven't. <laughs> we we did a YouTube so thing once. I know. So I'm really, yeah. really happy to have That's you here. What we did. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, it was fun to do the little YouTube live thing together, and I think that's what we were both remembering. I know. And I'm gr- I know. glad to be here. And even though I have not had a traumatic brain injury, it was like I was telling you before we started, it was so interesting to be at this National Caregiving Conference this past weekend in Chicago and hearing lots of people talking about traumatic brain injuries. Mm-hmm. And I did not realize how prevalent they are in the elderly who have fallen. Yeah. And another kind of interesting story, um, yesterday I was on a, like a mastermind call and it was about um, getting how to get PR. And since I had my upcoming awareness campaign, I'm like, okay, I'm going to hop on this training. And so she let us each have 15 minutes 
to chat with her and, you know, share our ideas with each other. The first two women that went had brain injuries. And it was the craziest thing. And then, you know, of course, and then I went and, and the woman leading the mastermind was like, oh, my gosh, what are the odds there be three women on here yeah. with brain injuries? So it's oh so much gosh. more prevalent than people realize. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. It was, it was fascinating. And I, um, I didn't get to go to as many sessions on it as, as I would have liked to, because, you know, they're all the concurrent sessions, but um, lots of people speaking about TBIs and, and how to, how to cope. And um, I, I feel so fortunate that I have never had that. And so I thought when you asked me to be on this, I thought, well, I haven't had a TBI and I'm not a, yeah. an expert on it. So <laughs> what do I have to contribute? But wow. you were saying, you know, that how, how I had to shift my perspective was a piece of it. Absolutely. And, you know, um, I'm going to have you share your story in just a minute, but basically you had an event happen to you. And it really made you shift your perspective on life. And I think that as someone who's been through any sort of trauma, we do, we have to shift our perspective. And I know for me in my recovery, it wasn't until I finally said, Amy, put your big girl panties on and just deal with it. (laughs) And that's when I finally you know, started feeling better. You know, I was kind of having a pity party for a really long time. I didn't know how, you know, and the funny thing is I'm a very positive person. I believe in the power of attraction and manifesting and I could not get myself out of my funk. And when I finally gave myself that little kick in the butt, it was like, Oh, okay. This is, this is the trick to feeling better. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and I know for some people that seems super woo woo and, but it's like negativity is way more contagious than positivity. And if you, well, it's so much easier. Right. It's, it's, <laughs> you know, it's like our default. Yep. It's easier to complain than to do the work to feel good about yourself. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm really happy to have you here, and you know, your your all of your coaching and everything you do is is so positive, and so I thought you'd be a fantastic guest. Um, so Becky, let's start sharing your story of what happened to you fairly recently um, to yeah. make you shift your perspective. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that, and you know, as you were just talking, Amy, it's so interesting because. You know, being, you know, the work that I do with caregivers of those with eating disorders came from my own lived family experience. And, and I was kind of like where you were having a pity party. I was just like, I can barely function. I don't want to get out of bed. I'm so sad because my loved one is so sick. This is so hard. Nobody's helping us. No one understands this illness. You know, what do we do? And it was, I was so isolated and just so hopeless and helpless. And through the coaching I got when I was getting my training to be a life coach, I realized, oh, I get to choose my perspective. And it was just life altering. <clears throat> then it served me when this incident happened <laughs> almost a year ago. Um, I was fortunate enough to be in Hawaii last January and being from Minnesota, that was a true gift. Um, <laughs> we had, as you may recall, a very, very cold winter last winter. And um, I felt really lucky to be in Hawaii where 
it was beautiful and sunny and warm. And I got to watch the whales jumping every day and watch the sunrises and sunsets. And it was just idyllic. And I would work in the morning, like from 8 a.m. till 2. And then my husband and I would go have adventures. And, and our daughter came down and was with us for a couple of weeks. We just had a blast until Saturday morning, January 13th. And he was off at his yoga class lucky for him because he got to miss the whole thing. He had no idea what had happened until it was over. Um, but the rest of us, well, he got it too, but he didn't know it because during the yoga class, they had their phones shut off, but we all got a message on our cell phones. So everybody who was in the state of Hawaii, whether you live there or not, um, got a message on our cell phones. And, and, you had to have an American cell phone because I talked to some Canadians and they did not get this message. But um, we all got this very terrifying message saying, um, incoming missile, um, this is not a drill. Take cover immediately. I'm, and I'm, I'm not looking at it. I'll pull it up and make sure I got the language right. But um, I, I looked at it and I thought, what does this mean? I don't even understand. What are they talking about? And granted, Back in January, the um, relations with uh, North Korea were not good, and Hawaii is the closest um, part of the United States of America to North Korea. So if they're going to shoot a missile, Hawaii is the closest target, basically, which I kind of knew, and we were on the island of Kauai, and uh, that's the northernmost island. There is an anti-missile rocket sitting on the island of um, Kauai and it's ready at all times. And I saw pictures of that later, which made me feel better. I wish I would have known about it before it happened. <laughs> but <Right>. anyhow, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was a realistic threat because, um, you know, this, this um, dictator over there has been poked and prodded and, um, you know, had been, you know, testing things. And so it was, it was pretty realistic. And so it, when it showed up, I just kept looking at it and it was just, it was emergency alert that just showed up on my cell phone and there were no sirens going anywhere, which was strange. Um, but it said emergency alert, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii, period. Seek immediate shelter, period. This is not a drill period. So yeah. I, after I read it wow. about five times, oh. I was like, what do I do? What do I do? I don't have a clue what to do. You know, and I'm from Minnesota where we have basements and during tornadoes, we go in the basement and we're safe. And even if the top of your house blows off, you're safe, right? And <laughs> I, I was like, what do I do now? I mean, I can't get, you know, I, I don't have a clue. And I saw people standing out by the ocean up on this cliff that we were on and thought, well, I wonder if they know this is happening. And so then, of course, I did what apparently thousands of other people in Hawaii did, and I got on the Internet and searched what to do if there's an incoming ballistic missile. And there's a fabulous article, actually, in Business Insider about what to do. Of all and it's places. basically kiss your back. I know. Kiss your backside goodbye was the bottom line of it, but um, it was yeah. like close your windows, you. close the curtains. Um, gather food and water and prepare to hunker down for two weeks because you're not going to be able to go outside. And I had watched a documentary about a month before we went to Hawaii about the people who survived Hiroshima. And it was like, how ironic. And they stayed inside and they were further away from 
where the fallout was. The fallout felt can fall for like two weeks afterward. So I'm thinking, great. My husband's at this yoga class about a mile away. He's going to have to stay there. Yeah. I'm going to have to stay here alone. And already after about 15 minutes, it was getting warm in our little tiny condo. And I couldn't see out because I closed right. the curtain. And these are, you know, off, right? That we didn't have air. They don't have oh, air. Oh, either. but I think you were. I think if you did, you were supposed to shut the air off because you don't want to bring in any outside. Um, right, right. Air. We didn't have any air <laughs> conditioning. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, and they're just cheap windows. I mean, it's not like here in Minnesota where we have these really solid double pane windows, and you know, you feel like stuff's not going to come through. Well, these are pretty cheap single pane windows, you know. And I'm like, that's not going to do anything. If there's nuclear fallout, it's going to seep in, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to eventually run out of food. And we had lots of food, but some was in the freezer, and I I was soon going to have no way to cook it probably. And so I gathered as much water as I could, and and I can, and this article said you have about 15 minutes before the missile will arrive. So as I'm racing around doing all this stuff, I'm like, what do I do with the last 15 minutes of my life? I mean, what if it comes? I mean, could, or is it going to be the end of my life? Am I going to just die immediately? Am I going to, or if I have like nuclear fallout poisoning and you know die a long, slow, painful death? Am I going to starve to death, die of thirst, whatever? So all these things are going through my mind, and um, I had a a friend who actually I know from who lives really close to me here in Minnesota, they have a condo down there and they were there also and about a mile away. And I called her and I said, Hey, do you guys know what to do? She was like, let me ask my husband. And he was watching the football game and he said, just keep the door shut to the patio. You know, he's just, he was just going to keep watching the football game. And I said, huh, well, this is interesting. Why are they not freaked out and why am I so freaked out? Later, after we were all okay, I asked them, I said, I don't understand. How were you guys so calm? And they had both grown up, uh, one on the East, one on the West Coast, where they had air raid um, drills all the time. So they were used to drills. I said, but this said it wasn't a drill. Right. (laughs) They were like, well, we just didn't really believe it. I was like, okay, and I and I guess they knew about that anti-missile rocket thing that's sitting over there um, at Parking Sands on Kauai, and so they they just weren't worried. And I was like, well, lucky them. And I was like freaking out, and I'm thinking, if a missile's gonna come and I'm gonna die, I'm gonna call my mom and say goodbye, you know. So I called her, you know. She's like, what, you know? And she didn't believe it either. She thought it was a mistake with like my cell phone provider or something. And I'm like, no, mom. This isn't a mistake. This has nothing to do with my cell phone provider. And, and uh, she still didn't believe it. Lucky for her, she just didn't believe it. And, and I thought about calling my daughter, and I was just like, uh, I'm not going to do that to her. You know, but I thought I probably need to call her and let her know where all our passwords are in case we're gone, you know. It was just pretty horrifying. And so while I was talking to my mom, and she was not believing it, I got on Twitter because I thought that's going to be the most up-to-date news, and it was. And I, there was a message from the governor of the state of Hawaii saying, sorry, everybody, that was a mistake, a horrible mistake. Someone pushed the wrong button. There is no incoming missile. Everything is okay. And I was like, what? This is just, like, because 
while during the half an hour, it was about 30 to 40 minutes that I was living through this. And after the 15 minute mark passed, I thought, wait a minute, no missile showed up. What's going on? Why don't I hear sirens outside? And Oh, I just remembered, I have to back up a little. When I first found out, I did go outside, not on the ocean side, but the other side, to look and see what other people were doing. And there was this young mom standing down there, and she was holding her baby. And she looks at me, and she's like, what do we do? And I said, I have no idea. I'm so sorry. I have no idea what to do. And the look on her face was like, you know how you see pictures during, like, war scenes and stuff that journalists take of, of these horrified the mothers shock. carrying their babies. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's what her face looked like. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, this is not good. So I, I was just like, I don't know. I'm so sorry. And I went back inside, started collecting water and, you know, all this. And um, anyhow, so when I got on Twitter and saw that, I said to my mom, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you were right. I saw no way that this could turn out to be a good scenario. And here it is. I just got another chance at life. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I thought it was over, you know? And I was like, this is amazing. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to be stuck in this condo being hot and thirsty and hungry and, you know, saying goodbye to everybody. I get to live. I get to enjoy my life still. And I was just like, holy moly. This, it was just, my brain couldn't wrap around it. I just it was like, unfathomable to me because I just saw no way out of this and and then it was interesting about 10 minutes later I got a phone call that the county sent out that said this was a mistake and I was like okay but Twitter was faster <laughs> so um, if you're ever in an emergency look at Twitter is my, my yeah. piece <laughs> it's the most up to date information um, anyhow so then I was like, I wonder why my husband's not home yet. And initially when this first happened, it happened at 8.07 a.m. And his yoga class was 8 to 9. And so I didn't realize what time it was when when I got this message. And um, I, I tried calling him, and he didn't answer. And I tried texting him, and he didn't answer. And I thought, okay, well, his class already started. I thought, he's not even going to know. At least he's in this building that maybe he'll have a chance of being safe. But is he going to just have to stay there for two weeks? You know, what's, or is he not going to know and he's going to go outside and he'll get nuclear fallout, you know? And anyhow, so I, he didn't, I left him a very sad message on his voicemail. And, um, yeah. And then, so when he got back to our condo, he said it was. Well, so he walked from his car to the condo and then he listened to his voicemail while he was walking. And he's like, what the heck? And he walked in and I just like threw myself at him. And I was like, oh my gosh, I thought I was never going to see you again. And he was like, what's going on? He said, I just can't even believe this. And I tried to explain it to him and he just like looked so baffled. And he said, it was really weird because during yoga, everybody's phones out in the lobby were just going off. And our yoga instructor yep. said, mm mm-hmm. If anyone gets up and answers their phone, we're going to do a whole extra set of the poses. <laughs> so nobody went and got their phones and listened to their messages, you know, because their loved everybody's loved ones were calling them. And um, he said then he went to the little grocery store next door afterwards, and he said, you know, everybody was acting really strange at the grocery store. I was like, you think? <laughs> I bet they were. 
and and anyhow so yeah we survived and I was just like in this weird numb just kind of like stunned I guess it was a shock you know I didn't go into physical shock I wasn't shaking or anything like that but um I was just kind of numb and so then I talked to my friend who she and her husband had but were watching the football game and they we were going to go see the lighthouse in Princeville and um I said yeah let's go see the lighthouse I need to get out of here and it was just so strange. I took some of the most beautiful, well, I think they're beautiful pictures, but I can't take credit. It was the ocean that looked beautiful. Um, beautiful pictures from that lighthouse that I thought I was never going to get to take. And every time I look at those pictures, I think that was bonus day. Yeah. Wow. You know, and it's all going to since then. You know, and I I remember that day, you know, and just every, you know, the social media went crazy, right? When it, when the alert first went out and it was like, holy crap, is this really happening? Um, You know, and I think we were with bated breath for, I mean, you, how long was it between the initial and then the follow-up text? It was about, it was 30 to 40 minutes before I saw the, um, before I saw the thing on Twitter, it was another like 10 minutes till the email or the phone call came on the landline at the condo from the county. But I never right. got a follow text. Right. And, you know, like that's a, like that had to have been the longest hour of your life. <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. thinking oh, yeah. that the worst case scenario is actually happening because when it says this is not a drill, I mean, hello. Right. Um, and and those emergency broadcast texts, you know, those are those are pretty real. Um, and I just well, I still remember that happening, and um, you know, I, I remember it happening in real time and being like, "Holy cow!" You know, this is really happening. Wow! And because you never think it's actually ever going to happen, and the reality is, it could, yeah. right? Um, yeah, and it still could. I mean, look, they just found yeah. Somewhere. And I just remember all the stories, all the stories coming out of Hawaii and it was mostly tourists. I feel like the locals weren't quite as freaked out by it as the tourists. Um, And just all these people sharing their stories, thinking that because it was also on the television. Um, I, a few people had like life dreamed thinking that they were dying. Right. Um, and the, oh, the TV wow. was on that emergency broadcast loop. Um, oh and, my gosh! I, mean, I didn't know yeah, that. So, so if you'd have seen that too, you probably would have been even more freaked, right? <laughs> yeah, I never turned on the TV, and I didn't yep. really know what was going on, like in the like continental U.S. If people knew about it or not. I suppose, I guess, with social media, everybody knew. Right. But, like, when I talked to my mom, she said, there's nothing on the news about it. Nothing. And and I was like, okay, well, I said, it just happened. It just happened. Like, maybe the news people didn't get it out there. I mean, so I talked to her probably 15 minutes after I got this thing on my phone. So, you know, the major news stations probably hadn't gotten it yet. And I don't know. And I did hear about like the guy putting his child down into a storm drain. And I talked to an engineer and actually in the last few months and the engineer person said, actually, that's really a good idea. And I'm like, but that's disgusting. And that seems really <laughs> dangerous. 
and not safe and anyhow, but I, I did consider the alternative. The <laughs> I know, I know, yeah, the alternative. Kids at the University of Hawaii who um, were racing around and they had seen those fallout shelter signs from back in the 60s and they tried to go there, but those rooms were locked. They hadn't been used in decades. Wow. And so they couldn't get in there. Yeah, so some kid had a key to some room that was with no windows and stuff and a bunch of kids all went in there. So that was really the only thing I heard about locals. And, I, you know, I talked to a few locals, but they just were like, well, you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. There's no place we can go. We're on an island. And they just had this, like, fatalistic attitude. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, it's like, well, here we are in paradise, and it might not be paradise any longer. But, um, yeah, it was really strange. And so we actually decided not to go back this year um, for the holidays, like, um, and part of it is there's still so much unrest going on, and it, it's still a possibility in my mind. And it was a mistake, and three people got fired because of this. Yes. Um, and, and originally in the news, they said one <clears throat> one person, but then like a month later, two more people got fired. Um, you know, they just it was the way they did it was was wrong and there were lots of articles about it and people can read about that but you know it was like they had this typical testing system that the person at the base who says okay this is this is a drill and then but then during part of his thing he said this is not a drill and so then the guy heard it and said oh it's not a drill so then he pushed the button to send us all those messages yeah, uh, it was kind of like a game of telephone gone very wrong. <laughs> yeah, so anyhow, I just, it was so bizarre after that half hour, 40 minutes of thinking my life is over. And I was like, here all these years, I've done all these things to keep myself as healthy as I can. And you probably thought a similar thing when you hit your head on the ice, you know, like, oh, yes. all these years I've done, done so much to stay healthy and strong. And now this, you know, you know it's like... It's, Life-altering. And, and and that was just what I was going to say. Like, your life can just change in an instant. And, you know, fortunately for you, nothing bad actually came of it. Um, you know, you, you came out on the other side without a missile. <laughs> um, but, you mm-hmm. know, that, that with TBI, sort of the majority of us, I mean, it literally happens in the blink of an eye. And, yeah. you know, your world is just totally dumped upside down and um, you're not mm-hmm. able to do what you used to do and people don't understand because they can't see it, you know, sort of like your mom, like, Oh, that can't be real, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, but now here you are on the other side of it. And, and I remember hearing you talk about it the first time and how you, you said, you know, like every day is a bonus now, you know, I thought I should have been dead that yeah. day. Um, and that, that's how I, you know, I, my fall literally could have killed me if I'd have landed, you know, an inch to either direction, it could have killed me, you know, there's just so many, and it's like, you know, I lived for a reason and, and I went through this for a reason and now I'm here, um, to help others and create awareness. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. sort of, I feel what you're doing too, just in a different capacity, right? So, um, yeah, these little yeah, gifts the from the universe that don't seem like gifts at the time. Right. 
No, no. It's like when, when eating disorders came into my family and I just was so confused and lost and hopeless and helpless and afraid and, you know, just, I, and I, that's when I first learned, oh, I get to choose my thoughts. That has served yes. me so well. And, and I love being able to help all these other families shift from that fear and panic to uh, more of a serenity state, you know, like, oh, okay, I can choose to not be in fear and panic right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I did use those tools in Hawaii. And I was like, okay, I'm totally petrified, but, I, you know, this is what it is. And I had to get to acceptance really fast. <laughs> like, okay, gather, you know, gather water. Here's yeah. how much food yeah. I have. I can ration my food, you know, for the next two weeks, at least the food that's cooked, you know, I'll eat the stuff that's going to go bad before it goes bad. And then I'll start eating the stuff that's not refrigerated. You know, I'm thinking through all that, you know, and, and just like, okay, so wonder if I'll ever get off this Island. I mean, if, if, if we make it through two weeks, you know, are we going to be able to get on a flight out of here and get back to the Minnesota, you know, all that stuff. And I was like, what am I going to do to keep myself from going crazy all day alone in this hot place? You know, (laughs) What am I going to do? So it was like, you know, thinking through all that, but then just going, okay, accept what is. We need to accept what is and Mm -hmm. make the best of it. Just go, okay. And then, you know, like going to that lighthouse afterwards was just like the water looked bluer. The sky looked bluer. The birds sounded more beautiful. The sound of the ocean was just like more amazing than it ever has been, you know. And I just was like, oh, wow, I get to see this again. I get to be here and breathe clean air. I didn't know if I'd ever get to breathe clean air again. You know, like non-poisoned air. I was so excited to breathe clean air. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And it makes me, like, it's cold here now in Minnesota, and it's like November is my least favorite month. But you know what? I didn't think I'd get another November. Mm -hmm. And it's like. Oh, wow. Look at all that clean air out there. I'm still breathing clean air. I have clean water to drink. And I'm so excited about that. And it just sounds like kind of crazy, but it's like we take those things for granted, you know, and I don't anymore. You know, you're so right. We we get to choose our thoughts. And I, I, I use this example all the time. If you are in the space of saying this sucks, this I feel like shit. I feel like crap. This sucks. I'm never going to get better. You're never going to get better. When you're stuck in that cycle of thinking, you're never going to get better. And if you shift to, okay, well, maybe this is the best I'm going to be. Okay. I have to embrace it and, um, you know, live my life the best I can dealing with, you know, with, this issue and what it is. you might yeah. not believe it in the beginning you you might have to convince yourself um but just mm-hmm. simply getting those negative icky thoughts out of your head that is the best thing you can do and I tell people mm-hmm. literally get a notebook and write all that icky stuff down like literally get it out of your head mm-hmm. and um throw it away crumple it up and throw it away um, yeah, and or, or it's take a pretty it powerful and burn exercise. It. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is powerful. I was just telling the people on my group weekly group support call last night, you know, 
it's important to write that stuff down and get it out of you, just like what you're saying. And then consciously choose to have gratitude. You know, it's like, oh, wow, I still have warm running water in my house and can take a shower. Well, get on the Internet and look up how the percentage of people in the world that have that. It's not huge, you know? Like a whole lot of the world does not have warm running water in their houses. <laughs> and it's like that's pretty amazing to have that and to have enough food to eat every day. You know, to, and that's what I learned back when I, my loved one was so sick. It was like, I've got to be grateful for the basics of life because everything seemed so awful, you know, when I couldn't help with, with the, you know, medical treatment. And it was like, i got to be grateful for the basics. And, yeah, that just, it was a huge shift for me. And, and I think that when, it's so interesting, Amy, because like the families that I coach, I notice that when they have a more positive attitude and they practice self-care, their loved one's recovery trajectory yes. goes way up. Yes. Even as the caregiver, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's so true. So it's, it's fun, to, fun to see. And, yeah, we can really choose. And, and I love that, you know, we can create these new neural pathways in our brains, you know, for yes. you. Everyone yeah. with traumatic brain injuries, it's like you need to recreate new neural pathways. Yes. And it's like your thoughts can do that. You know, like all those things you're doing, Amy, to be so positive are creating these new neural pathways. It's like, look at you. You're just, you know, you're doing so much better now. It's yeah. not a coincidence, you know. But it's hard to no, make you're that right. shift because we can, we can stay stuck in the mourning and the sadness of what we've lost instead of embracing what we still have. And and I learned, too, that expectations can really be a big hurdle for us if we let them, if we just keep our expectations like, oh, this little picture in my head is what life was supposed to look like for me. And it's not looking like that, and so now it's a big bummer. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Okay, that was just made up. We just had those expectations that we made up. You know, it's like, oh, all right. Like I had made up that I was going to get to live a really long, healthy life and not die from nuclear fallout in Hawaii. That wasn't part <laughs> of my vision. <laughs> you know, so we just make it up. And it's like, well, sometimes it is what it is. And we just need to go, all right, and deal with what is. But it's, it takes a little while to get there. But with the right tools and support, we can. Absolutely. Well, Becky, we are out of time. This has been such a great oh my conversation. Goodness. Okay, sorry. Time flies, doesn't it, when you're having fun? Um, this has been so great. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And, you know, like I, I said, it you, yeah, it's a totally different life experience, but like, it's all the same, you know, shifting that perspective. So I I really hope that everyone listening today really can take something away with that. So thank you so much for being here, Becky. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you, Amy, for having me as your guest. And thanks for the amazing work you do. Oh, thank you. 
And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's podcast with Becky. Um, I hope that everyone was able to take away some golden nuggets from this. And just a reminder, you can find all of the previous podcasts at facesoftbi.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And another big thank you to our sponsor, Midwest Functional Neurology Center. Find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Thank you all for listening and thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I'll see you next time.